This morning's lesson is from the 22nd chapter of Genesis, verses 1 to 18, and you can find it on page 22 of the Church Bibles. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, Take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and saddled his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, Stay here with the donkey, while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac, and he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Abraham, said to his father Abraham, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God, because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up, and there in the thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. And to this day, it is said, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, 
that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies and through your offsprings all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. This is the word of the Lord. We're continuing uh, today in our series on the names of God. Um, If you've been with us so far, you will have seen that we've thought about Elohim. We remember that was a kind of a status of God, the Almighty. Then we saw Yahweh, the, the covenant name for God, the one who keeps his promises, the Lord. Then last week we saw Abba the relational name for God as Father. And today we're going to start looking at various titles that are used for God. So not status, not covenant name, not relationship, but titles. And each title gives us an insight into an aspect of God's character. Today we look at Jehovah Jireh. The Lord will provide It's amazing, really, this story of Abraham, the one who is chosen by God to be the father of many nations, who struggled with Sarah to conceive, who eventually they had this child, Isaac, that they delighted over. And yet today in this story, an incredible request of Abraham to take his son up the mountain and to prepare for sacrifice. God is our provider. We're going to see how that's done in Abraham's life. And I hope we're going to reflect on it ourselves as well, how we see God as our provider. I'm really sorry if you've come um, for a detailed exposition of the text. I'm not going to give you that today. There's too much that I need to communicate in other ways. But I hope you will see that God is our provider. He's the one who provides for you and for me, for us as a church, and for Cutslow. Now let me ask you this. When you need something, when you're lacking in some way, where do you go to find a way forward or to find a solution? Where do you go when there's a relationship that needs healing? Where do you go when you're stressed or you're anxious? Where do you go when you're in trouble financially? Where do you go when you're looking for need or direction? Where do you go when you realize that you need forgiveness and a fresh start? Most of us, if we're honest, go to places where we think we can make things right. In our broken relationships, we seek a counselor. 
Or will we ignore the brokenness and we try to stumble on regardless? When we're stressed or anxious, most of us go to the GP or pop a pill or seek talking therapies. When we're short of cash, we go to the bank to mortgage more or to the market to sell something to make ends meet. When we realize we need forgiveness and a fresh start, we pull up our socks, we make a new resolution, we punish ourselves for what has gone before, and we try harder to make things right. Now, the point I'm trying to make is this, not that these solutions are necessarily bad, but there is a danger when we look for our own resolution to the problems of the day. And yet God says, I'm the Almighty, I'm the Covenant Lord, I'm your loving Father, and here, I'm your provider. This is the title of God that we're looking at today, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord, your provider. It's so easy to think that the Lord as provider is the one who kind of bails us out, who gives us a helping hand, who's just one recommended option to lead life well above any other option that we might have to lead life well. Friends, God is not a slot machine. A full understanding of God as our provider doesn't lead to a prosperity gospel approach where we name it and claim it. You know, just state the need and God will provide. Nor is God saying, I'm some kind of wonderful solution provider or service provider. Not even the top of the recommended list of possible providers. No, here he... The the revelation is that he is Jehovah Jireh, the Lord, the provider. There is no contest. I alone am the provider, says God. I'm the father that cares for the lilies of the field and the birds of the air. How much more will I care and provide for you? Most of us struggle with that notion, don't we? I worked hard for my money. I made good investment decisions. I'm saving for my future, for my retirement, for my children. Well, partly true. But at the base of it all has to be the recognition that God is our provider. That all things come from him and of his own do we give him. That's so important to grasp on this Harvest Sunday as we give out of what God has given us. It's his generosity to us that compels us to be generous to others. It's all his. But this phrase, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord, the provider, also has another meaning, and it's this. I am the Lord who sees to it. The Lord sees to it. I love that phrase. Here we have the Lord who sees to the provision of a sacrifice. The Lord sees to the rescue of Isaac. I'll see to it, he says. That's what this title tells us. I am the God who sees to it. He sees to our real needs. Not providing to make us comfortable, but giving us what we need. He sees what we need in our daily life and he promises to watch over us and provide for us. He sees what we need is a saviour, a rescuer, who gives life and life in all its fullness to those who turn to him. He sees that what we need is a sacrifice for our sins, 
that we might approach the Lord God Almighty and still stand. So we do pray for provision in our lives. We pray for provision in Oxford and across this world because we know that God is for us. That if he gave up his son for us, will he not graciously give us all things? And if you're stuck today wondering just where is that provision going to come from, just reflect for a moment that God had seen Abraham's need even before Abraham had realized it. As Abraham and the donkey and the servants and Isaac went up one side of the mountain, there was a ram going up the other side of the mountain who'd be caught in a thicket and who was there at just the time when God would speak to Abraham. On a day when we celebrate God's goodness and his provision, that he alone is the great provider, we're reminded that it's the Lord who sees to it. He sees to it by providing a sacrifice which was sufficient for the whole of humanity to be forgiven. He sees to it by providing for you and me, for St. Andrew's and God's people across Oxford and beyond. So what's this got to do with harvest giving? What's this got to do with you and me? Well, I want to turn back to the start of the story and help you see that provision is rooted in obedience. Look at verse 2. Remember who it is that God is speaking to. Abraham, the father of many nations. God said to him, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I'll tell you about. Sacrifice him as a burnt offering. And what does he do? Well, verse 3, early the next morning, Abraham got up, saddled his donkey, took his servants and his son Isaac. He went. He did what God commanded. He obeyed the call of God. He brings together the wood and the knife and the fire. And when, Abraham, when Isaac asks him, where's the sacrifice He stands in faith and he says, God himself will provide. Now, I know that this story sounds very wrong to us. We immediately assume child sacrifice and we wonder how God or Abraham can be so heartless. But some commentators think that by this stage, Isaac is probably about 30 and Abraham is about 120 years of age. If that's the case, then Isaac could have fought off Abraham if he'd wanted to. What I want you to see is this, that it all starts with obedience and faith. The obedience of Abraham who responded to the call, and Abraham who had faith in God, and the obedience of Isaac who did what his dad asked. Now it still feels pretty horrendous, but this side of the cross, we can see how this story prefigures Christ. We can see how Jesus too was to carry some wood up the hillside of this very mountain in Jerusalem. We can see how there too would be a father who would willingly sacrifice a son. 
and how that son would willingly lay on the altar. We can see how God would provide a sacrifice which would be sufficient not just for one sacrifice, but for the whole world. We can see how Jesus was obedient, even to death on a cross. So faith and obedience is is at the heart of this revelation of God as provider. Provision doesn't come because of obedience. Provision comes because God is full of grace, because he's working his purposes out. But the revelation of God as provider comes as Abraham obeys God's call. Let me say that again. Provision doesn't come because of obedience. But the revelation of God for Abraham, his his understanding of who God was, comes as he obeys. Do you want to know God more? Do you want to know who he is? If you do, then obey his word. Trust him. Follow him. And you too will experience more of him. One of the ways that we seek to obey and follow Christ as a church is by investing in mission and ministry in Cutslow. You saw the video earlier. For over 15 years, we've had people working and serving on that estate, bringing the good news of Jesus into dark places, helping families, sitting and doing homework with displaced young people, helping signpost debt and financial help, Exploring what it is to be a good parent. Mentoring young people and giving them the opportunity to hear about Christ. We're a people who long to see that part of Oxford, that community, transformed. Which is why we look for signs of the Lord seeing to it in Cutslow. It's why I'm looking for you to give generously from your obedience and your faith in the one who provides for you through our harvest giving to the ministry in Cutslow. If we're going to see North Oxford transformed by Jesus, then I believe we need to see a church grow in Cutslow. Why? Well, we need to see the church grow in that area because it faces some very particular societal challenges. We need to see a church grow there because it's an area that's expanding to the north with new houses being added. There will be a new estate to the north of the Ring Road in time. And we want to see the good news, the transforming message of Christ impact those that move into that area. And we need to see a church grow in Cutslow Because for a variety of reasons, and not because of the lack of desire, do hear me on that, not because of the lack of desire, the neighbouring parishes in that area have not been able to consistently, fruitfully minister there in a way that has connected with the local area. So our vision is for a church to develop at the centre of that community in Cutslow. So that the love of Jesus can be proclaimed. So that we see physical, emotional, economic and social needs being addressed. And so that the church is at the centre of that community. Bringing new life in Christ to those that gather and live there. To do that we're taking three steps. 
You've seen one of the steps this morning. Gareth, our new youth and community worker who's been employed uh, to work there. His appointment is critical as we seek to have a community that is in the community and for the community, a Christian community, which is at the centre of Cutslow. He will lead the way with our midweek connections in the community, working closely with partners in the area, encouraging relationships in groups and addressing the social, personal and spiritual needs of the area. Secondly, we're progressing discussions with the diocese and the neighbouring parishes to give a structure to the church that we have in Cutslow that is recognised by all. The expression of church that is there currently Cutslow Connected has been operating for five years now. But in that time, we have not had the permission to baptise, to share communion together, and we haven't always had the blessing of neighbouring parishes. We've now agreed with the bishop and those neighbouring parishes to explore together the possibility of designating the area of Cutslow as what is called a bishop's mission order. That's a formal structure within the Church of England that enables us to do mission and ministry outside of our parish boundaries. We long to see a church flourish in that area under a designated leader with oversight from St. Andrew's and permission of the bishop. Thirdly, to show that we're serious and that the diocese is serious, they've given permission and the PCC has in faith generously agreed to fund an additional curate licensed to St. Andrew's to lead the church in Cutslow under this bishop's mission order this way to do mission and ministry within the existing parish structures across parishes. That is tremendous news because it means that Cutslow will get the focus that it needs because the diocese and the neighbouring parishes are both recognising what has been done up until now and our desire to work together to see Cutslow and any new area of housing to the north transformed by Jesus. I hope you're excited by this. Some of you might be thinking, why an additional curate? Why not an associate minister? Well, there are a few reasons. Firstly, a curate will give us three to four years to evaluate evaluate how the bishop's mission order is working. It will give us some space to see how the church is growing before we commit longer term to a a full-time paid post. Secondly, at this point in time, this isn't a full-time role. But it may be in the years to come. So the role needs to have the flexibility to expand to the need that is presented. Thirdly, I believe we have just the person to help us, under God, see this work flourish. In a moment, I'm going to introduce you to Tom, who some of you might recognize having done a placement here last year. Tom is experienced, having worked as a lay minister in a growing church. He's someone I trust, someone I believe will work brilliantly in helping us think through church in the community in Cutslow. So here's Tom and his wife, Jin, and his daughter, Kitty, with a few words of introduction. Hi, my name is Tom, and I'm currently a third-year ordinand at Trinity College in Bristol, 
and subject to the bishop's agreement, will be coming to join the church family as an additional curate in the summer of 2019. Hi, I'm Jen, and this is Kitty, um, and she's 18 months. Um, I'm currently a part-time speech and language therapist uh, from Macmillan, uh, when I'm not being a mum and a wife. And we're incredibly excited to be coming to Oxford and to St Andrews, and particularly to be working alongside the team at Cutslow in helping people share Christ with friends, the city and the wider world. <laughs> we know already what great progress has been made with the neighbouring parishes to set up a formal arrangement for the growth of the church in Cutslow. And we're really looking forward to joining with you to build on the brilliant work that is already taking place. My heart and my passion is for mission and evangelism and for equipping others to be part of God's mission in the world. I'm excited to see how we can work together with the team at St Andrews and other churches to see Jesus glorified in that part of Oxford. We both know uh, that the PCC is taking a big step of faith in supporting this role and we pray that we're going to be able to honour this as we come and join you. We'll be praying for you all uh, in the lead up to next summer and we look forward to seeing you soon. Oh, sheep. Drop the sheep. Can we say bye-bye? Can you say bye? Bye-bye. <laughs> bye. It really, really feels like the Lord is providing for us in this area. We've got a new youth and community worker whose first few weeks have been excellent. You'll be relieved to hear, Gareth. Uh, who's establishing great relationships from which he can build. We're making great progress with neighbouring parishes on establishing this formal structure for mission and ministry to happen in Cutslow within the existing parish system. And now we also have a couple who are ready to come and lead the church in Cutslow. The PCC have, in faith, agreed to fund the role from June 2019. This is a huge step of faith and obviously it also means that our staff and our associated housing budget for next year increases. That's why this Harvest Giving Day is so important. I want you to prayerfully consider how you might respond to this need. I think there are at least four ways you can be respond, but maybe you can respond, but maybe more. First of all, you can pray. Without me, says Jesus, you can do nothing. That's as much the case in Cutslow as it is in this part of Oxford. Please be praying for this work. The staff, the volunteers, the clubs, the pastoral visiting, the ongoing discussions about formalising a bishop's mission order in Cutslow. Join us at the prayer and praise meeting tomorrow evening at 8 o'clock if you want to pray with others over this work. Secondly, you can serve. At the back of the church today, there's a little table with uh, people who will be there to be able to tell you about some of the great things that are happening in Cutslow and some of the ways that you can be involved. In your notice sheet, you'll have been given a postcard like this. On the back of it are some prayer pointers and some ways that we are particularly looking for people to get uh, involved in serving in Cutslow. Thirdly, you can give a one-time gift for the work in Cutslow through our harvest giving. Inside the notice sheet is a flyer and a blue envelope, a blue flyer and a blue envelope. These will help you to give a gift specifically for the mission and ministry in Cutslow 
And if you're a taxpayer, it tells you how to give tax efficiently. But fourthly, you can start to give by standing order or you can increase your current standing order. That's what these postcards are about, the ones with the red and orange frame. The appointment of an additional person to Cutslow from the middle of next year does increase our salary bill. And so a one-off gift, as much as it is appreciated and as much as it is needed, is probably not going to be sufficient to meet the ongoing investment. We also need regular monthly giving to increase if we're going to see communities transformed, leaders equipped for Christian ministry, and churches established and growing. Friends, this is about giving ourselves away. It's about mission, albeit locally. It's about seeing the transformation of communities in the power of God. It's about seeing leaders equipped and trained for mission and ministry. It's about seeing churches growing. It's about growing God's family here in Oxford. Today has been about Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who provides, the Lord who sees to it. This, of course, is true, but it comes hand in hand with the steps of obedience and faith that we see in Abraham and Isaac. How are you going to respond in faith and obedience today to the God who is in his very nature the one who provides for you? The one who provides for his church? The one who sees to it. The one who's done everything that's needed in Christ. Let's pray. Loving Father, we give you great thanks that you are the provider. That you're the one who sees to it. We thank you for your provision for us. We thank you for your provision for this church. We thank you for your provision for North Oxford and for Cutslow. Jesus, we're delighted at what you're doing. Please, would you transform this city for your glory? And would you help us to respond in faith and obedience to all that you're doing. We thank you that you are the ultimate sacrifice, the one who gave himself that we might live. Would you help us to take that incredible news from our hearts to our lives, from our lives to our friends and neighbours, and from our friends and neighbours into Cutslow and into the world that you love, that you created, and that you're redeeming. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.